Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. We present the very best panels, seminars, and other recordings pertaining to role-playing game design and publishing. This has been made possible thanks to Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Now to the show. Episode 65, Women in Game Design, Building Networks and Forming Mentorships. Recorded at Metatopia 2014. Presented by Emily Kerboss, Julia Elingbo, Shoshana Kessak, Amanda Valentine, and Avenel Wing. So good morning, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Uh, this is the Women in Games panel. Uh, my name is Shoshana Kessak, and I'm sort of, I guess, by default, acting as sort of moderator. Uh, I've been doing that for the last couple of, days, uh, couple of panels, um, if that's okay with everybody. Sure. Um, and I'm going to let everybody introduce themselves, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we're doing here. So why don't you get started? Okay. Um, my name is Emily Kerbos. I'm a tabletop live role-playing game designer. Um, I live in Massachusetts. And uh, during the day, I do forestry and conservation. <laughs> I'm Amanda Valentine. I am an RPG and fiction editor. I work for, I'm a full-time freelancer at this point, which is kind of exciting and fun and silly. But um, I work with Storium. I work with Evil Hat Productions. I work with uh, Fake Codex and oh, all lots of lots of different people. Um, I'm Avenel Wing. I am with Double Exposure. We run four conventions a year, and First Exposure plays us all at Gen Con. And so, yeah, that's the end of my sentence. <laughs> and a games enabler, what you can say. And a games enabler. <laughs> uh, and I'm Shoshana Kesak. I am the co-founder of Phoenix Outlaw Productions. We're a tabletop RPG company with a LARP focus also. Um, I'm also a, a games academic. Um, and I'm uh, right now a full-time freelancer, actually, working with Storium, Evil Hat Productions, Eskatog Media, a bunch of different companies that I freelance for. Um, and so, and I'm also sort of an advocate for, you know, uh, in, in the games community for a lot of different stuff, so. Um, and here's our and here's, here's the most. Do you have a chair? Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Uh, if you want to take a breath for a second before introducing <laughs> yourself, uh, that's what we're up to, so. Uh, Julie, why don't you actually introduce yourself now that we've said that? Just your name and what you do. My name is Julia Ellingbo. By day, I'm a human resources manager. Sometimes I write LARPs um, and other things, uh, short stories. Um, I do some editing from time to time, mostly academic. And I don't like being late, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, so why are we here? Um, what, what is this panel all about? Uh, so women in games can mean a lot of things to talk about. Uh, first thing I want to start off with talking about is uh, uh, is just a sort of blanket statement. On a lot of these panels, we we tend to talk about you know the, uh, things that happen to women in, in the community. Uh, we can end up you know sharing stories sometimes. I asked that what, what's up? Uh, just to, did you catch that the specific like uh, tag on it was mentoring and yes, okay. correct. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. fine. Um, the, the, the preview I always give is like we're trying to aim towards talking about that's where I was going with it awesome. talking about mentorship and stuff like that on this particular panel so it's less about 
harassment and that side of things. It's more about the mentorship and how to move forward. Um, so yeah, so let's start talking about that. Um, uh, there's been a lot of movement lately towards uh, bringing more women into game design and also to gaming at the table. So these are two different things. There's women as uh, women as uh, you know, players, and then there's women as designers. Um, so uh, why don't we start with as designers? I think and within the community. Um, and so what do you guys think has been like the major move lately that's been sort of the working towards uh, bringing women into the community? What do you think is the is the sort of the zeitgeist about it? You know and, and, and uh, where do you think it's it's started from lately to bring uh, more women up uh, to a certain level? Well, I have to say that the zeitgeist right now feels very challenged. Okay. Yes. Um, and I feel like the various schedules and horrendous uh, online uh, battles going on make for this being really important time to keep thinking about uh, community, um, networking, um, a particular... Um, issue that I've sort of put my mind to, and there's some folks who are working on it, is about uh, visibility for women as more on the designer side, um, as uh, legitimate and professional and experienced people. Um, looking at Wikipedia, it's just one place among many where people learn about people who are designers, but it's actually incredibly important um, if you have a Wikipedia entry that means something, even God only knows why, but it is one of the sort of the entry cards to being a known entity, and, um, and there's a certain amount of gender bias when you look at the entries. Um, and I'm sure it's not intentional, uh, or maybe in some cases it might be intentional, but I, I prefer to look at it charitably because we can't really do anything about intentions. Um, but there's a, a gender gap task force that people have created a, um, a Google test um, community about, um, and um, uh, Mo Turpington, a Canadian a woman and uh, academic and researcher and game designer uh, sort of spearheading that as a way for us to... It's a slow process of not just saying, okay, let's change it and put people's uh, uh, names up on because they immediately get deleted. <laughs> and there's for very good reasons. They don't meet notability requirements. Um, people might think this is a random, not attack, but just a very unorganized effort. So we're trying to come together to figure out how to uh, earn our... our um, our chops and, you know, become people who are part of the, the Wikipedia community so that we can find ways to create entries for people who are doing a lot of really good work, who aren't getting noticed. And it goes beyond just, you know, gender, but also there's, there's race and other issues that are, there's a lot of people that aren't represented. So I feel like that's a, a, an initiative that I'm very happy to be able to support, even though it's kind of a slow background kind of process. So what do you think about it, the way that I experience this most is that I am also the mother of a 12-year-old boy and a 14-year-old girl, and they're both gamers. They started coming to conventions with us and so on, and my daughter is now online. It's just Facebook at this point, but she's you know making those forays into this as a self-identified geek, and you know I, I worry a little bit about that, but so far it's been a welcoming environment for her because she's not... <laughs> in a lot of those online places. She's coming to conventions meeting people that, you know, we know are good influences on her and so on. Um, in many ways, it's a much more welcoming culture. Geek has gone more mainstream. Um, the things that are happening and acceptable at her school are things that, you know, we, most of us, probably would have been teased for mercilessly and so on. And, and it's much more accepting of the younger generation and... When you move past a bunch of, I'm going to assume, 18 to 24-year-old guys, 
because it feels that way. Um, you get a little younger. I mean, she's yeah, she's unusual in that she's a girl, but she's welcomed, and they're they're not turning against her. They're not thinking she's weird. Um, and and people are actively trying to get more girls included when you're looking at the younger ages. Um, I think one place where we're not seeing this that I unfortunately don't think we have a whole lot of impact on right now is we're not seeing it in the mainstream marketing. Like she's a huge Marvel fan. Could we please get a shirt with Gamora on it? You know how hard is that? Um, so there are ways that they're still getting excluded, but she feels like she can speak up about that. I think partially because she's that's more geeky than game design, I guess, but. It's all related. Yeah. And I'm secured. <laughs> I've, been, I've been around for 10 years now. I'm good, thanks. <laughs> so it's more seeing my kids become part of this, where I'm seeing these struggles and so on. Julia, what do you think? So I brought my 15 year old daughter here. Um, and she, <laughs> she, if she were here, she'd be rolling her eyes and just looking at her phone, which is what she did in my talk yesterday. And I honestly, I was really proud of her. She's very, very shy, and the couple of comments that she's made about being here, like, I don't really want to play any games because it's with a bunch of old people, old friends, and, and I get that. And she's not a gamer. Um, but, for example, like yesterday, uh, I played um, with great power, and she listened in, and, and she had a character that she was most interested in playing, and I wasn't, so um, she, we were going to maybe pair off and try, and she's like, well, actually, no, I think I really just want to listen and watch, because this is just not her thing. And then she pulled out a comic book, and said, <laughs> a comic book. <laughs> and, and what I've observed from her is that when she sees some of this ugly, sexist stuff, that she takes that teenage snark and it just, it, it's venom. She's just like, it, protective venom. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't stand for it. And so I think there is um, slowly a change in, in a lot of women. And I don't know if it was just because I'm just like, okay, attention's crap. So she's used to getting that message. But, um, I think young women nowadays just don't have the patience to put up with that. Um, so I cross my fingers in, in, in saying that maybe maybe the older generation, those of us who who got that, have taught people or have sort of started to pave the way that, um, that you don't have to put up with that. And sometimes it means you have to walk away and you have to, your, your recognition will be a little bit slower, but you don't have to put up with being verbally abused. So um, that I also get concerned when I'm looking at her online communities. I was trying to encourage her to go to the online harassment um, panel, and she said, "I'm not harassed." And I said, "But you, you, you go to Deviant Art. You go all these places where you you may well be." And she goes, "Yeah, I know. I just click delete and move. I don't like that stuff." And it was just like this very simple point. Like she wasn't looking for the recognition. She was just like looking for the common denominator of you're not going to treat me like a like I'm a bad person, I don't deal with that in in person. Why am I going to do that online? Um, so maybe it's as the the younger generation is developing these skills that we had to basically create on online communication that we're still learning how to, how to you know online etiquette is still an evolving thing. Um, that as we get older and, and the kids get older, that they will um, perpetuate that 
the, the um, acceptable use policies on this. So I am acutely aware that at Metatopia two years ago, when it came to encouraging women designers, I felt like I had these hands full of healing balloons by the strings. And if I tried to reach out and grab somebody and catch her before she floated away in a puff of imposter mm -hmm. syndrome, I stood the chance of losing hold of somebody else that I was helping keep anchored. And so I was in this constant sort of, okay, I'm going to calm down her imposter syndrome and I'm going to run over here and reassure her that the sentence, women don't write uh, system, they write fluff, is total crap. And then I'm going to go over here and I'm going to like talk this one down from being like, I just got massacred in my playtest and I got told that my math was crap and I'm never going to be able to do this. And so I ran around putting out all these little spot fires and I was like, no, you're all legitimate and you're all real. Well, I'm only a LARP designer. I only write setting. And there was a lot of that. And I had like these big fistfuls of, of balloons and I kept losing them. And I was like, what am I, what, how, how is this going to be possible? And now when a woman designer comes in and has a hard time owning the title designer and claiming it, all I have to do is say to one of the other women, she's having that moment and they get loved on and like validated and supported and connected with. And I'm not the only one holding the balloons anymore. And like, I'm actually choking up because it's, it's so awesome to be able to see other people like go, no, I'm on that. I've, I've already got her. You don't, you go work on the next one. <laughs> so I was one of them that she was holding together with strings for a long time. Uh, it's true because, you know, uh, I came in and I, I was grown as a designer, actually, at these conventions. Like, I started here as a, as a player and became a designer because of the double exposure conventions in a lot of ways. Um, but what I, what I realized coming up was that, yeah, Abby and, 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 and women like Abby were the ones who were giving, and Amanda and Emily, were people who were giving me the strength to actually say, no, there, there are people who have been doing this and that there is a place for, for, for my voice. But there, there, is, there was, uh, for a long time in me, and I've seen it in a lot of people, this imposter syndrome that, that women don't do this, and there are messages that get passed to you over time of, you know, women don't do systems, don't have to do systems, just write the fiction, Oh, you don't understand how you know you're not a big enough fan to do this. And what's interesting is that that that, that is changing, in my opinion, and especially in the last few years, um, that I've seen that this pushback that that a lot of women in the community are doing is is getting picked up by other people, is getting picked up not only by other women but also by allies who are coming in and and saying, no, we, you know, we don't have to talk for women. We're just going to stand here, but we're not going to put up for this behavior. And so um, there there has been a great deal of, of pushback. And there has been a backlash, especially recently, about this. But it is something that, uh, especially a lot of new people who are coming in, I do agree, especially the younger generation, are just like, nope, we don't care about this. We're just here to have fun and do good things together, and this is nonsense. And I think that that's the thing that has really impressed me the most is that the younger gamers that I've been seeing and the younger people who are interested in design are picking up the message that, like, it doesn't have to be this way. Um, so that's what gives me hope, and that's why these panels, I think, are so great, is because you get to see year after year. I think this is the third year I'm doing this panel, and, like, I've seen the change, you know, over the last three years, and I think we all have. So. Okay. so talking about the new generation. So my daughter, you say anything to her, she will stand up and rant and fight for herself, and you say anything to my son, he's like, that's stupid. He turns <laughs> away. Like, yeah. he, he has no patience for anybody saying that women can't do this, that women can't game. And, like, he won't even engage in the argument. He's just like... Yep. And it's done, and I'm, I'm, 
I don't think he is incredibly unusual. Okay, he's 12, so we have to wait a while before they have a real strong impact, but my daughter plays with a bunch of boys, and we run a D&D group at her school that is almost all boys, and they don't have a problem looking up to me as the expert in the room, and they don't have a problem with her GMing, and, you know, the, these kids are going to grow up with this being fairly normal, at least in some circles, and I, I think that will help a lot. Yeah. So, so we've been talking about the community in general, so let's talk about actually on the design side and the professional side for a minute. Um, um, how do you think it's been it's been going when it comes to mentorship so far, um, and what do you guys think can actually improve a little bit, you know, with mentorship? Because there's always room for improvement, I think. But how how's it been going for the last little while uh, professionally? Because I want to focus on that for a second. So, what do you think, Emily? Well, I think um, uh, as far as women designers coming up, the a big change that's happened over the last couple of years has been crowdfunding sources. Um, Patreon has been really helpful um, and uh, Kickstarter for longer than that but I've been observing over the last couple of years um, a lot of women who are being able to take advantage of that and see that as just a matter of course of how you publish which for me is like I'm still wrapping my brain around it um, but there's uh, there's a professionalism that comes with that and there's, um, oh, there's a greater reach and greater resources that are available to people who are starting now um, and I think Things like this particular convention are really critical. I've seen people come through the process last year, and that's actually why I'm here right now, uh, because I played games that were um, run by people uh, who had gone through Metatopia to test it. Glora um, Simpson was working on Companion's Tale, and I was just so impressed. It's a really great game. Can't wait until that comes out. Um, with uh, how good the game was, how strong was her process of playtesting, um, and so... I feel like there's very good resources both on the empowering to actually do the work in a capacity way, as well as the community supporting the work and uh, have provided communities for mention. So I'm very hopeful. Um, I haven't seen a lot that's organized. Sometimes I wish there was more. I mean, maybe it's happening and I'm not aware of it. I don't really know. But um, the companies that I work for, like Evil Hat and so on, and Storium, they have made a conscious effort to try to include more people, to make sure that there is a variety of people represented there, and I think that that's really important. Um, I remember when I was first working for Evil Hat, the first convention I went to with everybody, uh, is Origins, and last night I looked around, there were a whole bunch of people gathered together, and I was the only woman. And I didn't feel uncomfortable. They, I mean, there were fantastic men that I was surrounded by, and they were all great and supportive. I was like, huh. I'm the only woman in this room. And that has not been the case for a while. There are just more women, and and it's feeling organic to me. I'm sure that there is a lot going on behind the scenes that I'm not seeing that is very conscious, and and I am aware of some conscious stuff, but um, I don't know. In some ways, I wish there was something a little more organized, but it, it also seems to be working at least slowly for people to to just consciously reach out and... Uh, and to, to have that support network, you know, I, I spend a lot of time talking to people online on IM or whatever, and I guess it's mentoring. It's not as uh, organized as sometimes I, I wish it could be, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've seen a lot of organized efforts either. What I have seen is individuals like Jeff Hammer who will hear about a woman and then and then post it to other women, and say, "Hey, this this woman." 
um, needs a kind word or needs is looking for someone to talk to her. She she actually tries to pair mentors, um, which is really really neat. Um, I don't really have I don't do online very well, and so I think I miss that that part. Um, so I come here and I get to talk to people one on one, which is a, a way I'm able to communicate much better than online. Um, and I wonder if there are other women like that as well. And that does mean that you you don't get that that huge pool of voices that you would online, but that also means you don't get the huge pool of voices that you would online. <laughs> you get one person sitting down with you, um, or two people sharing what becomes a much more intimate experience, and there's something to be said about that. It's along the lines of The Apprentice uh, system that, that we found is actually kind of effective if you have the right apprentice and the right mentor. Um, I mentor a woman at work, and um, I designed the the job um, so that it was part that I had somebody who would be able to do some of the things that I'm not capable of doing, um, which would actually give them the authority to do the things that their boss is not capable of doing. And me, the boss, saying, you know what, I, I'm okay with that. Um, you'd go and become an expert on this because I don't either have the time inclination or the brain power to be able to do that. Um, but I also designed that job so that I would I was looking for somebody who didn't have a lot of experience that I could show them um, I, I could show them some pretty amazing experiences that, that they wouldn't get in any other job because um, every step of the way in my job, just the way it's, it's set up, is that I'm developing a department that didn't exist and or when it the parts that did exist were done really badly. Um, so I get to show somebody how to clean up, which is a, a huge thing in my field um, because people don't do HR very well, and when you don't, you get sued. Um, and so to be able to do it well is, is a, a good quantity, to know the law. So for me, it's the one-on-one, um, being able to do that and being able to have a, more of a long-term relationship that I'm not very good at doing online, but I can do really well one-on-one. And people can always email me after meeting face-to-face, and it might be a five-word email, but I can also say, all right, let's talk about this at some other point, maybe next year, we can meet up at a con. Um, so, you know, show me what you got. Then. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I think some of what I've seen that I'm really excited about is the fact that when I'm in a place where people could be having these conversations, they do. Um, at Gen Con last year, I like there are specific street corners that will always be the spot that so-and-so pinned me down to talk about how to get women engaged in the application process, or to respond to open calls, or to accept that there are people that they can be teamed with to fill their deficiencies. Um, and like th- those conversations are happening, and I feel like each time one of those conversations happens, our communal ability, our, our hands for holding onto those balloons get bigger and our arms are longer, and we have more capacity because it's not just one or two or four or five people holding on. It's it's all of us working together, and it's um, there is being a conscious awareness of it and an awareness that you can't use the same recruiting process if you're bringing women in as you if you're using men 
you know, I got to have a conversation three times at Gen Con about second shift feminist theory and the fact that if women are doing this as a hobby and they are also responsible for the kids and loading the dishwasher and school lunches and permission slips, that you have to tailor your process to invite them to participate in a way that doesn't make them feel like they have to choose between those components and participating in the industry. And, like, some of the people I was talking to were like, oh, that's a thing? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, it is. I don't know if we're taking questions. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna pop to questions in like two seconds. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to share an experience that happened last night. I was talking to um, a well-known game designer, and he asked me, "So what have you been doing?" After he gave me this compliment that almost had me in tears because it was really really kind. He said, "So what have you been doing lately?" And um, and I, I game design. I said, "I write a lot per year." And he's like, "Oh, and what else?" And and I said, "Last year I was." working two jobs. I was the interim general manager of Food Talk, and I was our HR manager, and I worked 60 hours a week, <laughs> and I negotiated a union contract, and I'm raising a teenage daughter, and for the first time in a long time, I, I, I get, I, here I'm at a game convention, I'm like, I haven't really been doing a whole lot. I, I do some editing, I do this, I do that, um, but there's this other thing that was this huge component of my life, and you know what? It was really important and I actually take what I had been learning in my day job um, here. And so, no, I haven't been, like, out there doing the design. I was doing the second shift um, design. And what I was doing first shift is very, very important. Very important. And I think sometimes we forget. It's like that um, women's work. And, it, you know, even though I'm... It, what I do, it wasn't necessarily women's work per se. I still have to feed my family. And so game design may have to take a back seat from time to time. And I have, I'm learning myself how to navigate something I really love doing with something that I really like doing that actually pays me enough to pay my mortgage and send my kids to college mm-hmm. for now. Emily, you want to add something? Yeah, there were just a couple of different... Uh, um, events and communities that I wanted to share with. One that's going on um, across the country. It's kind of a really neat opportunity. It's called Alter Comp. And it's a series of talks that are done. It's been coordinated by Ash Dryden, I think is her name. And she's a, a, a video game developer, but it's embracing all forms of game community. And it's uh, talks that are beyond Diversity 101. And so it, it's um, diving down deeper into issues, looking at research, um, some of the research that people shared at one that happened in Boston talked about exactly what happens when you invite people to a, um, a game dev uh, that's for everyone, but it's at night and it's in a bar and, you know, it, like all of these things that people weren't realizing put real barriers and that so that anybody who wasn't a, a young white guy working on computers just would be bounced off immediately. What was that called again? It's called Alter Conf. A-L-T-E-R-C-O-N-F, all in word. I think it's at altaconf.com. And they did one in Boston. They're doing one in New York, or they did one in New York. And then they're going to do them at all the major cities in the country. And they're inviting people to talk who have different experience and, and uh, professional you know, uh, experience um, to get really different voices talking about 
these issues. So I hope it comes to wherever you are soon. And they're, they're planning to post the, the talks online as well. So hopefully that'll be good, you know, like a, a broader conversation that we can all have together. Um, and um, I was actually in contact with them. They have so many people actually right now who are applying that they're turning people away like, yeah. for talks. Like that's how how how, how how like really into things people are getting. That like the New York one was besieged by like people who really wanted to talk about this stuff. So. Exactly. I was able to, to present at Boston, and uh, it was a really good experience. Either to go or if you're able to talk, I, I don't need to. And another is a local one for me. Um, uh, Julie and I live in Western Massachusetts, and we're lucky enough to have a lot of people there who are creative writers and, and a lot of game designers. Um, and there's a, um, a, a communal space that actually somebody in the audience here, Hannah Schaefer, is one of the founders of. Yeah. It's called Owl and Raven. And it's just a really neat model for how you can build community on a local level. Um, uh, she and a friend started it as a community center with a lot of different divergent interests to support people um, in the community to come in and volunteer and run share skills chair sessions and there was a common denominator that a lot of people who were involved were interested in games um, a lot of them women a lot of them men but it was a good very consensus oriented community um, and they've shifted now to being a, um, a shared workspace for designers and it's become a very good place for the people who are involved in that and want to be involved in that to share their skills and mentor one another. Um, and in part of that, Hannah has come out with a game this year called Presslandia, which she, she kickstarted and is a really excellent, well-done game. And um, I feel like uh, part of her ingenuity in helping make this space happen has helped herself and others do that. So it seems like a really neat model. It's called Owl and Raven in Northampton, Massachusetts. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to add my experience, which is, uh, I think the biggest thing that got mentorship started, or my at least involvement in it, was the one reason why hashtag that happened. Uh, that actually was a huge thing for me because, uh, you know, at the time I, I, I thought I was involved with stuff and I was, I was, you know, getting there. But, like, one reason why it popped up so many people who I had not been aware of that uh, I got a chance to talk to. I became aware of their work because of it, especially a lot of women who I'd never met. Um, and I would, from there on in, I was kind of hooked on Twitter. Anybody who knows me knows I tweet incessantly now. Um, so, uh, and I talk about a lot of this stuff now because of it. But I also, because of that, also got hooked up with uh, my first job with Evil Hat, actually, where, you know, I don't want to speak about it openly. It's like Frank Hicks was listened to everything that was going on there like he tweeted the smartest thing that day that I'd heard from a guy who was who was interested in listening he said I I have lots of thoughts on this but I'm sitting back and listening and so should you and that was sort of the shorthand for what he said and then after that he made a conscious effort to reach out and say no I'm looking for more women voices when he was talking about the fake core uh, you know project when it was going up on Kickstarter and that's how I started working actually as he reached out to me and uh, I started getting work from there and now I'm pretty much a full-time freelancer, uh, like a year, what is it, a year change later, two years later, um, and that was because of that, but then, that's how I met Amanda, and like, I mean, we'd met before, but like, um, slowly because of this, uh, you know, Jessica Hammer and I got in contact, and she worked with me in grad school, became my mentor and stuff like that, but it was, a lot of it was uh, seeing these people and making, and seeing women be visible, because I didn't know a lot of these names, and people were like, yeah, there are women, you should go find them. <laughs> With what a metal detector? I don't understand. So that's true. Hey, you, you're a woman. Do you play games? Yeah. Just reach in and, and, and search around until you pull somebody out. No, it's it's ridiculous. So like, uh, I, I believe that I think organization actually is important, and that hashtag helped do it. 
Um, but after that, it sort of petered out again. And so it just became like, okay, remember who that is, and then if you see somebody, like Abby said, just like kind of point them in the right direction. Um, but I think that you know there are these things that are starting to, to bring people together. Um, I would love to see if there were more of them in the future, but um, that there are then it, it then inspired a lot of companies to make this this active movement towards uh, recruitment of women, which I think has been incredibly important. And I'll pull out story for for doing the same thing. Honestly, it's been fantastic. Uh, and one more plug for gaming as women. Gaming as women, which holy cow, yes, it's ongoing and. Um, and I think we're always looking for contributors, so if you're interested in writing, check it out online. And also the support of uh, gaming as other, I think there's been another one that, that's been, there's been a lot of uh, intersectionality work that's been going on also, and, and people coming together and talking about issues together. I was on a great panel at, at Gen Con, which was like uh, Aja George and Elsa, Elsa Henry, who does you know disability advocacy, and like everybody coming together and saying, okay, we have these resources, let's talk together, but then let's not forget that each of us has like the individual issues that we have to deal with that has the nuance uh, but like, I have a resource, and I know a great woman, and you know a great person for this. And so the networking within intersectionality has also been, I think, really great. And I, I'm not the person to speak to it the most. There are wonderful voices for that. But um, I, so yeah, I think these things have been going better. Um, what, before we go to questions, because I want to make sure that we have lots of time to talk to the audience, um, is there in like a quick, short? I'm going to put you guys on the spot for a second. Lightning round. Um, is there one thing that you would like to see improve in the next little while? Like, what do you think is like a, a thing that if you could spearhead it, or if you could see it spearheaded, what would it be to help advocacy for uh, um, mentorship for women? Uh, let's let's start with Abby because we started on the side though, a bunch of times. Let's go. Uh, so I wish I had three me so that I could coordinate a <laughs> official um, ladies who are in game design. A professional organization, a trade association, so that we could organize mixers and specific training sessions and be at multiple conventions across the country in order to be sharing resources. And for people on the inside, for example, when the Paizo listing went up, yeah. I reached out to a developer inside Paizo who is a woman and said, people are going to be talking to me about the fact that this position is open. Can I connect women with you? And I did, and she gave the best how to apply for jobs email that I have yeah. ever seen, and that connection um, is something that if we had more of a trade association, those connections would be open, and you wouldn't have to know that if you tap Avi, Avi knows most of the companies, and like the fact that that isn't an established and official thing, and I just don't have enough octopus arms to like hold on to that too. Um, I would love to to see like I would I would give all the resources I have to people that were willing to like be the the, the manpower to really execute that. Me, um, I have more of an abstract one. I would I would like to see more mentorship of, of women of color, um, and have that mentorship or, or that even just bringing more women of color in and not have it be that we are the special snowflakes now. Because um, I, I, I sometimes feel that way. That like, I'm, I'm, a woman, I'm a woman, I design games, I'm a woman of color too. Um, and that doesn't make me, well, I am a special snowflake. Snowflake, I think we all do. Um, but I would like to see more, more of that and, um, yeah. Uh, I guess mine kind of goes with 
Abby's. I mean, I would love to be the person spearheading that organization, except that I'm also a full-time freelancer. I'm the mother of two. I am a wife. I am a daughter. I like. You're a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I just I have way too many things going on right now, and I am already dropping too many balls, and so. It's like so if somebody else organized it, I could maybe step in in a way that worked. I feel like a very practical question to interject with, which is that if we were inviting women in that were like starting out in the industry and they were willing to do internships and catch some yeah. of those balls, is that something that would have value to you? Like, I don't need man to now, but think about it. What I really need is an assistant. Yeah. <laughs> I think I don't make enough money to pay one. So. I think that's been something a lot of people have been interested in. Things, in, in not to jump you, but you did, yeah. uh, you know, your, your chance. But I think that there are a lot of people who have been saying exactly the same thing. It's like we all want, we all have this idea, um, but how to farm it out when we're all so busy. Like, there, that's been, like, the biggest problem is to get these things together is a lot of us are doing this part-time or doing this on the side of other things. So how do we organize together so that we can split the load um, and, and, you know, and also get past the, sort of the imposter syndrome that oftentimes happens so that you can empower other women to say, no, we actually can do this together. Uh, and I think that's the biggest hurdle that we first have to get through is just is getting women to, to say, no, oh, okay, we can do this and then get it together. So. The women who probably have the time and energy and are in the life space to do it are probably the youngest ones. Yes. <laughs> You're probably dealing with imposter syndrome the worst right now. Well, on that note, uh, that's <laughs> The word internship is very scary because, yeah. uh, in my experience, the young generation is plagued with a lot of student debt immediately yes. when they have to start repaying. So you get bogged down into terrible, you know, in a job that makes you a lot of money and takes as much effort as anything going on in an older woman's life. And then also, you're trying to establish yourself as a game designer and you're learning all of these things that there's no single act, like, there's no single point of this is how to write rules well, period. You know, there are so many input points, and there's very little vis- visibility into older women who would have that wisdom in your specific category. So it's like, I, I agree, and that would be so nice for, for a young woman to be able to understand, like, the full scape of that internship, but I, I see her having the exact same problems that the older generation is having. Yeah. Well, can I play 12th fairy here? Yeah. Not the 13th fairy who didn't get invited, but the 12th fairy who got to give her wish after everybody else was kind of screwed up by the 13th fairy. Um, so I wish we had uh, investment of time, capacity, and money mm-hmm. to be able to pay people to do these yes. things, to help make professional organizations from the major organizations in our field that have it. Because I feel like there should be a grant program by the big the big whoever they are, I don't know if it's Hasbro or game, you know, video game people, um, to bring in um, women in games, to have uh, task forces that are looking at diversity and, and obstacles, um, and uh, and also give visibility. There should be profiles of people in game designers, young designers who are coming up, which because this, like I said before about Wikipedia, one of the things that you can't get is a, um, visibility if you haven't been. Um, discussed in the mainstream if you're not notable, if you're not newsworthy. So why are we not newsworthy? What's with that? Um, so there's there's a connection that needs to be made because obviously we need this thing. Everybody just talked about what we need and we've got the vision and there need to be more of a recognition that resources need to be put behind that than people who have them. Yeah, I, I, and I absolutely agree that uh, the, the thing that, you know, we're talking from the 
the, uh, the, the tabletop, largely the tabletop in the analog industry. I've recently made forays into the digital industry. And if we think that the issues are here are bad, I mean, we're talking a, a hurdle of, of massive proportions on that side where the numbers are actually so much worse than, than here. We're talking 3% of designers are, 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 are women on that side. It, it's, it, well, technically, it's 15% of the 3% of the technical designers. So, like, we're talking about massive numbers that need to be adjusted, and there really aren't that many movements on that side at all. Um, and most of those, uh, most of those uh, communities are having an even harder time than we are. So reaching out to companies on the digital side, I think, would be really difficult. But within our community, the big problem, I think, is resources. We don't have... Like, so many people are working full-time jobs and doing these other things because people have to pay the bills. And so if we want to actually get these things moving in our industry, there's got to be a way to actually perpetuate it monetarily for some people to to still be able to do this and and pay their rent at the same time. So, uh, yes, now I think we can open it up to the audience. I think it's a good time because we want to, you know... Fifteen minutes. minutes is about it. I have a super quick comment and then a question. Uh, the super quick comment is: it would be great if I had a way to say, within my limited amount of resources and time, here is a thing that I am good at that I can do, and someplace I could put that information. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you know, I do game mechanics. I'm the game mechanics person. I can't write fiction to save my life. But if you have a game mechanics question and you want to talk to a female designer about it. You can come talk to me, and I will make time for you. I want I want to have a place to put that right. information right. out there. Uh, but my question is about constructive criticism, because this is something that has been an ongoing frustration for me, and Metatopia has sort of uh, highlighted my problem and made me sort of understand what it is, is that there's a lot of gendered issues in discussion between someone who is a designer and someone who is giving them constructive criticism. What I see is first of all, if the criticism is coming from a man, I all of my instincts and walls and that have been keeping out all of this bile of women can't design prevent me from hearing all of that as clearly as I would like to. And I deliberately have to go in and say, I want you to tell me exactly what you think I need to fix, and I will go and fix it, but you need to tell me that. And then the other thing is that when I deal with men here and women, Generally, they think that what I'm asking them for is cheerleading, and that's not what I'm asking them for. And it, getting constructive criticism from other female designers has been like pulling teeth. Mm-hmm. And there's only really been, I think, two women that I've talked to who have been able to give me like real constructive criticism on my games. Everybody else is like, "This is great. You're doing such a good job," and it's like. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I would argue that some of that is because they doubt their capacity to provide it. It is. Yes. I'm not saying I'm not right. saying that there's not good reasons why that's oh, happening. Sure. It's not just a misunderstanding. It's because it's because there's it, it there isn't a normalization for here's mm-hmm. giving constructive criticism to a designer and we're going to just apply that to a female designer and we're not gonna think about the gendered nature of the... It, it's oh. hard. It's just... It's, I found it to be very hard. So I'm wondering if you have any advice on how to go about solving that particular issue. That's, one thing I've seen a lot of interactions online, frequently what people are looking for... Cheerleading is a baggage word that... Maybe I shouldn't have used that. In validation order, support. To, validation support. support. Encouragement. I think there's a certain amount of I'm going to this community and I'm looking for validation. You know what? I will go and get the crap beaten out of me with some group over here that gives me the construction. Right now, I need people to just keep me from dropping out of this right now. And I think a lot of that happens online, and that becomes a default. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if 
because sometimes you go online and you know there's a complaint about something and you're like I just need to rant about this and if people start solving your problems for you they're like I wasn't looking for you to solve my problems I just needed you to keep me going and some way to clearly say you know what no I want these problems solved right and I think finding some explicit way to 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 really say that and I was putting that all on you I think that this no, is but, a and, cultural and thing and when I say yeah. that to a male designer that's loaded. Like, I want you to fix my game. I want you to tell me what to do. I want you to just be the boss of me, is what I'm saying. I mean, that's a little bit hard, you know? I think that there's a there's a balance between saying, you know, uh, I want you to be the boss of me, and, right. and, and, and I want I want you to give me tools. So, like, it, like and there's... Uh, but I agree with you, like, uh, uh, that there is a... There's so much defensiveness that happens, I think, because we're used to getting crap, or we're used to being told, like you know, the awful things, so then um, sometimes it can come up with, you get feedback and automatically your brain starts going, Do I? can I trust this? Can I trust that this is not gendered? Can I trust that right. this is coming from a good place? Right. And I think it comes it, it comes down to, like, unfortunately, like, just experience with a person. Like, you have to sit and... I mean, all, all critical feedback on games, I think, needs to be evaluated. Like, you're not going to take everybody's feedback anyway. So the idea is, is that when you're listening, you have to just take everybody's feedback in. And I usually record feedback actually and then go back to it afterwards on on audio so that I can then sit there and go and because at the moment I'm not going to take it all in and then I go back and I go okay am I listening to this and is my is my misogyny reader going off like and if that's the case then I have to take everything that they say and sort of think of it on a different level um, and then there are people that whose opinions I just start to trust because I know that they're there and um, and they're going to give critical feedback that's that's actually good. But I think being explicit is really important. If you if you are going into a like into conversations with somebody and you say, right now all I need you to do is like look at it and tell me if, if you're having fun with it. Um, don't don't check my grammar. <laughs> don't right. do, like just tell me if it's good. Like for you for having fun, or that you go in and say I need you to crunch this with me. And that's language that I think that we need to develop as like people seeking feedback anyway. But for women, I think it needs to be doubly explicit, and it's hard. I, I agree. Okay. Um, well, actually, I have some help for you um, to to tag along on your being very explicit. Uh, I use social media as a way to cope with mental illness. And when I'm looking for, like, hey, I'm having a really crappy day, I need someone to share a memory with me or something, and say specifically, um, I just like what Shoshana is saying. Look um, at my math. Yeah, I need, I need my math to be looked at, or I feel like something's off, I don't know what it is, can someone look at this critically, ignore my spelling, or ignore my sentence structure, I need you to focus on what I'm saying here, and give me reflective feedback on what your understanding of taking away. Um, I think that not just as women, but people in general will frequently say, oh yeah, I need feedback on this thing, have at it, without actually saying exactly what you're looking for. And if it's you're looking for general feedback, say, I'm looking for general feedback. Um, and as Shoshana was saying, you'll start to figure out that, you know, like, Okay, well, John Doe, Jane Doe, and John Smith, they're really good at giving me feedback. So I'm just going to shoot them an email and say, hey, I need this thing. Can you help me out? Or do you have anyone who might be able to help me out? And, 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 it's like and, that'll, and that'll build a community as well. And really, uh, yeah. I, the word community, I think, is important because, like you were saying, you 
fix my game for me. When you're part of a game community, that's not at all how people interpret it. Mm-hmm. And so, like... So, okay, go ahead. Um, I'm an editor, so I tend to approach things from that point of view. I am not fixing your stuff for you. I am well, helping you figure out how to make it. But I, I don't mean to sound aggressive, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, it's... I don't approach it as me doing that. It's easy for a writer to feel like that's what I'm doing. Uh-huh. Um, but that is in no way my intention. And I think to make sure that that everybody sort of... It's going to be an uncomfortable relationship when somebody is tearing apart your game and helping you figure out how to fix it. Um, but when, when you... St- the companies that I work for are very much a community, and they are used to it being a lot of feedback from a lot of people, and it's nobody else taking ownership of it. It's just sort of a dynamic that's built up. Are you working on your own, primarily? Uh, I, yeah. I guess that's the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much working on my own, because the designers that I've reached out to, uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't found somebody who, who can give me that constructive criticism without the gendered issues getting in the way. I found male designers, this is before, this is all pre-meditative, I found male designers who will tell me all about their games, yeah. uh, and <laughs> that's not helpful. <laughs> and I found female designers who will tell me how awesome I am, which is very helpful sometimes, but not all the time. I mean, there, there's a balance between, like, the, 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 it took me years, by the way, to find people that I was comfortable talking to. And uh, the, the two pieces of advice that I can quickly give is one: if a person is telling you how to fix your game, like this is what I would do instead. No, 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 yeah, that's yeah, not what I want. That, yeah, right. the minute that that happens, no. But that I, I actually stop listening at that point because then I, that's your game. You're writing that. That's awesome. That's not actually critical feedback. That yeah. that's a stop completely. And the other one is uh, is if people are being too like excited and, and just excited to talk about their stuff or their ideas. That's that's then cheerleading in a, in a communal way. It's great for us all to talk about that, but that's not critical. So like yeah. it, it becomes uh, like creating these relationships with one or two people, as far as I can tell, who like become your alpha readers, and then mm-hmm. uh, if, and then general feedback is great, but then you have to winnow through like pages of it. So. I think oh, Julia, go ahead. So I just want to do a quick poll. How many people have in in, in college or high school or wherever had some kind of either just like a, a, a two-page or some kind of instruction on how to write a cover letter or a resume. Okay, how many people ever got something similar on how to give feedback or accept feedback? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think that's, for me, that's often the, the, the real meat of the problem, that we don't know how to do it. We, we learn how to do all these other amazing things that we need to learn how to do, but we don't really... We aren't really taught how to give feedback, criticism effectively, and how to accept it. And um, in online conversations, there's very rarely that middle ground that's actual useful feedback and directed. And part of it is that we don't always know how to ask for it. Part of it is that we don't know what it looks like. And then a big part is that we don't know how to give it. So what we can give is, good job. Yeah, I liked it. It was good. Or, you know what? This proves to me that you are the ugliest, most horrible person in the world. <laughs> and <laughs> neither of those work. Um, but that's, that's sometimes what, what is then considered feedback. Yeah. <clears throat> I have a quick idea. Sort of actually riffing on your comment that you made before you take the question about having skills. You want people to be able to use them. You're not sure where, how to let people know. So 
you also need people with skills that you don't know how to find them. So what a wonderful thing would be if we were all able to both list our skills, network, um, know who each other is and what our, our abilities are, and create communities that um, uh, can create this kind of an, a shared expectation about what kind of help we need. So that's just my idea. Um, so some of this is actually, and this is not me being self-deprecating, is a failure in me that I have it. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. There's a gap in the education of designers in how to support each other as playtesters and as feedback givers that needs to be part of the Metatopia curriculum. And Rob Donahue's posts, if you haven't seen yeah. them yet, before yeah. Metatopia, they are fantastic, but they need to be refiltered so that people don't see them as a validation to go to gaming tables and be real assholes and <laughs> to make your game fail. But he really highlighted for me that we talk about the, the ethos that we want Metatopia to have and that we want our game designers to have and that we really want people to end up elbow deep in the guts of a game and to really like understand how the pieces fit together and what the anatomy of this game is so that you're clear on it and so that you're clear that it's doing the things you want it to do. But we're doing a crappy job currently of that curriculum to teach how to do that because I'm not sure how to put it together. And so um, it's not like that I have failed, but there's a failing in the thing that I have created where there's a gap. And so I'm aware of it and, and more aware of it now. And I will be reaching out to people to sort of fiddle at how to create that curriculum in a way that doesn't take away from the rest of the programming. I think we have time for just another one quick question. <laughs> I, I actually am going to be that person. Yeah, so uh, you had your hand up, but I'm not sure. And, but if, I had a comment, but you're oh. heading out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it was just really quick, which is when I, when I play test my games, I only ask people for questions. And it leads out for people who are only in the playtest to criticize and fix my game and overtop. And it like empowers the people who feel like they can only be there to help come up with mechanics. And like that's been the most useful thing. It's like, was I supposed to move three spaces here? Or is this part supposed to be sad? Yeah. Uh, and like usually everybody can ask those questions and it ends right. up being the most useful for me. That's, know, that's cool. That's feedback forms are very helpful too. I don't see flyers. I think you need to be a while. Developmental editor. Yeah, we have to have that. Um, so, I think we have to wrap up. If it's a really quick question. No, I just wanted to know what you guys thought about how Paizo handled that call and what that actually looked like from inside the industry, from an experience point of view. Uh, I loved it. I have an application sitting on my desktop, uh, which is going to be finished by probably tomorrow. Uh, uh, so, honestly, it's. Uh, it, it, I think it was a wonderful call, and there was a blog post that came with it, which was like, let's do this, and I thought that that was an incredibly important moment that's saying, no, that this is something that a major company is noticing, and I thought that was great. So. Yeah. Uh, anybody else with the comment about? Thank you, covered it. Mm -hmm. Thank you, everybody. Uh, let's just say quickly how we can reach you if, if you're interested, if people want to put their information out there. Uh, I have business cards if you want to reach me. Blackgreengames.com. That's where I am. Blackgreengames.com. And my, my uh, email is there. Apparently, whiteboards. Cool. Google Plus. Uh, Julia B. Ellen, though. Yes. 
I'm all over the internet. Avenel at pretty much every major provider. Um, and I'm on the double exposure site. Any generic email address on the double exposure site will get to me. Cool. And I'm Shoshana Kessak. You can pretty if you can spell that, you can find me. Uh, that's pretty much it. Good luck. Uh, one, good fewer, luck. one fewer N than you have One sex. fewer N is yeah. than everybody puts in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one N. Uh, I have business cards. I'm on Twitter and my website if you want to find me. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming. And uh, if you have any more questions, you can find us later. Yeah, I'm trying not to be boss. Yeah, I just feel like I'm being boss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 